Good morning. Good morning. It's been a while since I've been up here, and today I've been waiting for this one, mostly because when I started this series, I was trying to catch up a little bit with our Wednesday night class, and so I finally did it. I finally caught up with our Wednesday night class. So for all of you who've been coming to our Wednesday night class, we're, uh, we're in Samuel, and so this kind of just pulls ahead by a little bit here. So... Just a personal accomplishment for me. I'm a, I'm a little excited about that. But today we're going to be going over uh, the books of First and Second Samuel. And I see a few of you looking at your clocks, uh, your watches and clocks, you know, and, and worried that we're going over two books this morning. But I promise you, we, we won't be here all day. Uh, the reason we're going over First and Second Samuel is that these are two separate books in our modern day Bibles. But that division was uh, just put in there because of scroll length. It was originally written as one coherent story in the Bible. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. And I'd encourage you to have your Bibles out. Um, I'm going to highlight a few key parts of the books um, for you to take notes on and go back. And you can look at those more in depth in your own personal study. Uh, but where we, where we are in Samuel is that Israel, if you remember, was rescued from slavery in Egypt, and after that, they made a covenant with God at Mount Sinai. From there, they eventually came to the Promised Land, and there Israel was supposed to be faithful to God and obey those covenant commands. Uh, before the book of Samuel, we see in Judges how Israel failed at that task big time. It was a period of moral chaos, and it showed Israel's need for wise leaders. And so the book of Samuel provides an answer to that need. The book of Samuel, uh, it focuses on three main characters. You have the prophet Samuel, which is where the book gets its name from. Then you have King Saul, and after him you have King David. And all three of them transition Israel from a group of tribes ruled by judges into a unified kingdom ruled by David in Jerusalem. And the book of Samuel has a great design that weaves together the story of these three characters together into four main parts. And so I've got that up here on the on this slide. You can see that in chapters 1 to 7 you have this introduction and it introduces uh, Samuel. And then you have in chapters 8 to 31 you have Saul's rise and then his fall. It's kind of told in two parts there. And that rise and fall is mirrored by David's rise and fall. And so as Saul is declining, you have David rising, right? And then at the end of 2 Samuel in chapters 20, you see David's fall. And then the book concludes with an epilogue in chapters 21 to 24 that reflects back over that whole story. So if we, if we dive right in, if we look at the introduction in 1 Samuel chapters 1 and 3, part 1 there picks up from the chaos of the book of Judges, and we're introduced to a touching story about a woman named Hannah. And she's grieved because she's never been able to have children, and by God's grace, she finally has a son named Samuel. And in her joy, she sings this amazing poem in chapter 2. So I'd encourage all of you to go back and take a look at that when you can. This poem is all about how God opposes the proud and exalts the humble. 
and how despite tragedies and human evil, God is working out his purposes in history. And it's also about how God will one day raise up an anointed king for the people. And Hannah's poem has been placed here at the beginning of the book because it introduces these three key themes that we're going to see throughout the entire story. And so from there, we see Samuel begin to grow up, and he becomes a great prophet and a leader for the people of Israel. Now, at the same time, the Philistines are rising to power as Israel's arch nemesis. And in this time, there's this crucial battle where the Israelites get arrogant. And instead of praying and asking God for help, they bring out the Ark of the Covenant as this sort of magic trophy that's going to lead them into battle and give them victory. And so because of this arrogant presumption, God allows Israel to lose the battle and to lose the Ark. It's stolen by the Philistines. And so they take it uh, back to their city and they place it in their temple of their god, Dagon. And then the God of Israel defeats the Philistines without the help of Israel. And their god, Dagon, without sending any armies or anything like that to defeat them. Instead, he uses plagues. And so the Philistines, after all these plagues, they don't want the ark anymore. And through a roundabout uh, series of events, they send it back to Israel. And so the point of this little story seems to be this. God is not Israel's trophy. And he opposes pride among the Philistines, but he also opposes pride among his own people. And so Israel needs to remain humble and obedient. if They want to experience God's covenant blessings, which opens up into the next large section. So Israel, they come to Samuel and they say, hey, we want a king like all of our other nations have. And they say, go find us one. And Samuel's pretty mad about this. He goes to consult with God, and God says, yes, their, their motives are wrong, but if they want a king, go ahead and give them one. And that's where we get introduced to the figure of Saul. Now, Saul is a tragic figure because he begins full of promise. He's tall. He's good-looking. He's a perfect candidate for a king, except that he has these deep character flaws. He's dishonest. He lacks integrity, and he seems incapable of acknowledging his own mistakes. And these flaws, they become his downfall. He wins some battles at the beginning, but his flaws, they run so deep that eventually he disqualifies himself uh, by blatantly disobeying God's commands. And so eventually, the aging Samuel confronts Saul and Israel. And he warns the people that they would only benefit from a king who's humble and faithful to God. Otherwise, the kings of Israel will bring ruin. And so he informs Saul that he's going to raise up a new king to replace him. And so Saul's downfall begins as God, or begins at the same time that God is working behind the scenes to raise up that new king. It's this insignificant shepherd boy named David. And he's the least likely candidate to become king. But in the famous story of David and Goliath, it shows that God's choice of David is not based on his family status or his, his looks, but simply on his faith 
and humble trust in God. And so this story embodies the themes that we saw earlier in Hannah's poem. Proud Saul and Goliath are brought low while the humble David is exalted. Now from here we watch Saul slowly descend into madness while David rises to power. David starts working for Saul as a general and he's winning all of these battles and he's also winning a lot of fame. And so Saul gets jealous and he starts chasing David around, hunting him, trying to kill him. David's done nothing wrong, so David simply runs and waits in the wilderness and we see David's true character because there are multiple opportunities that he has to kill Saul, but he doesn't. He simply trusts that despite Saul's evil, God will raise up a king for his people. Now what's interesting too is that in many of the poems of David that you find in the book of Psalms, they're linked to this very period in his life and they all express the same attitude of trust. And so this section of the book ends with Saul coming to a grisly death after losing a battle with the Philistines. First Samuel tells some of the most intricate, well-told stories that you find anywhere in the Bible. And the characters of Saul and David, they're portrayed very realistically because the author is putting forward them as character studies so that you can find yourself in them. In Saul's story, we see a warning. It's crucial that we reflect on our own character flaws and see how they harm us and other people. And with God's help, we need to humble ourselves and deal with our dark side so that Saul's story doesn't become ours. David, on the other hand, is presented as an example of patience and trust in God's timing in our lives. And so he's running in the wilderness and he's being chased by Saul. And David has every reason to think that God has abandoned him. But that's not what he thinks. And so David's story encourages us to trust in God despite human evil, uh, that God is working his purposes to oppose the proud and exalt the humble. And so from there, that concludes 1 Samuel. And then we move into 2 Samuel, which picks up after Saul's death. And David surprises everyone because he composes this long poem where he laments the death of the very man that tried to kill him. Not something that you would see uh, out of just anyone. And so once again, the author is presenting David as an example of humility and compassion. He's a man that grieves even the death of his own enemies, which should be uh, very, very familiar to us since we're told that we should love our enemies, right? Now, after this, David experiences this season of success, and he has God's blessing, and all the Israelite tribes, they come to David, and they ask him to unify the tribes as their king. And so the first thing that David does as king is to go to the city of Jerusalem, where he conquers it, and he establishes it as Israel's capital city, which he renames as Zion. And from there, David goes on, and he wins many battles, and he expands Israel's territory. Now, after he's made Jerusalem the political capital of Israel, he wants to make it their religious capital as well. And so he asks that the Ark of the Covenant be moved into the city. And then in 2 Samuel uh, 7, 
he tells God that now that Israel has a permanent home, he thinks God's presence there should also get a permanent house. And so 2 Samuel chapter 7 is going to be this really important section. So I'd encourage you to, to go back and look at that later. David says that he wants to build this house for God, but God actually says to David, you know, thank you for that thought, but actually I'm going to build a house for you, a dynasty. And that's where 2 Samuel chapter 7 is so key. It's here that God makes that promise to David that from his royal line will come a future king who's going to build God's temple here on earth and set up an eternal kingdom. It's this messianic promise to David that gets picked up and developed more in the book of Psalms and also in the books of the prophets. And it's this king that gets connected to God's promise to Abraham. The future messianic kingdom will be how God brings his blessing to all the nations. And it's right here in the midst of all of this divine blessing that things go horribly, horribly wrong. You see, David, he makes this fatal mistake, and it's not just fatal for him, but also a man named Uriah. One of David's prized soldiers,